a very important story came up on our headlines, front page headlines, mostly lead or second lead, and then sort of disappeared. It disappeared mainly because a much bigger story, a much juicier story emerged, that is the Adani controversy. So when the Adani controversy is going on, the world's third richest man, the big short seller attack, etc., etc., the company brings out the tricolor, polarized India, then ranges itself either on this side or on that side of Adani. When that becomes such an overwhelming story, we somehow tend to forget something else that is very important and that is playing out. That is the India-Pakistan river waters issue. So the story that made the headlines three, four days back was that India told Pakistan that the Indus Waters Treaty needed to be looked at again, if not fully renegotiated, in the light of experiences and learnings of more than six decades now. This, this treaty had come into being in 1960. Now, since 1960, this treaty has worked all right. There have been some issues here and there, but the treaty has worked all right. In fact, the treaty has been honored by both sides, even during the wars. Even during the wars, India and Pakistan have fought two full-fledged wars, 65, 71, some part wars here and there, particularly Kargil, some warlike situations like Opparakram, which went on for some time. Also then periods of great anger, particularly after attacks in Uri, Pulwama and, and 26-11, not to forget. And yet the treaty has stood the test of time and the waters have continued to flow as they were committed in the treaty or they've continued to be utilized or used for irrigation as, though, as was ordained in this treaty. So this treaty is a very good example of, of how sovereign states, and there is, no, there is no third party involved there. The only third party, if you can call it that, is the World Bank. Because the World Bank it is that had enabled this treaty and also helped, helped organize funding for many things that came as a result of this treaty to enable both India and Pakistan to utilize their river waters better. Remember, in 1960, in the 50s, during which all the talks leading up to the treaty took place, in the 50s, both countries, both economy was, economies was, were predominantly agrarian. None of the countries had industrialized and the waters of these rivers were very, very, very important. So what are these rivers? There are eastern rivers and western rivers. So Punjab, usually you say Punjab, five rivers, but actually there are six rivers. And what is east and west? The eastern rivers are the ones that India gets to utilize the waters of fully. So India can utilize all of the water in Satluj, Ravi and Bias. These, were, these are the three eastern rivers of the Punjab river system. Then western rivers of the Punjab river system. That is Indus, Jhelum and Chenab. Those three rivers, Pakistan was given full rights over the waters, of course. India was allowed under the treaty, and these are specified amounts, allowed to use a certain amount of water for irrigation because after all, there's a lot of Indian territory that along which, through which these rivers run. So those territories have to be irrigated. So roughly about 7 lakh, in fact, precisely 7 lakh 1,000 acres of land India was allowed to irrigate with these river waters, but also for drinking, etc. Otherwise, India was at liberty to use these rivers for anything else, these waters for anything else except to consume water. So for example, you could do as much of navigation over these rivers, run cruises, whatever. If you can run cruises in Himalayan rivers, doesn't have happened like that. But I'm just making a notional point to you. 
fishing and stuff like that. So all that you can do. What it also means is that you can utilize these rivers for generating electricity. But you cannot store this water. Now to generate electricity as technologies have improved, turbines have improved, it has now become much easier to generate electricity from run-of-the-river projects. Now in the past you needed this humongous reservoirs and also when you have hydroelectric projects when you also store water for irrigation or drinking etc or for flood control then you have to build very large reservoirs but now increasingly first of all large large reservoirs are in bad order nobody in the world likes anybody building large reservoirs now and the countries also big economies usually do not finding find it so much worth their while unless unless this is to support a really arid or dry zone as say the areas that Narmada rivers waters serve. So increasingly now particularly for rivers coming through the mountains where inclines are available the idea is to generate power through run of the river dams that's precisely what's happening in our new dams which are being built in Arunachal Pradesh on tributaries of the Brahmaputra. Having said that India it is on whose side the rivers, these rivers have the most inclines because India, the Himalayan side from where these rivers come, all of them don't emerge from Tibet barring Satluj and Indus. The others emerge from within. For example, for example, Jhelum emerges from a spring not that far from Srinagar. Both Ravi and Chenab emerge from Himachal Pradesh. Now, these, these rivers, most of the mountainous course that these rivers follow, leave Indus aside. Most of the mountainous course that these rivers follow falls in India. So India has much greater possibility or prospects of using these rivers for power generation. No problem when it comes to the three eastern rivers, that is Ravi, Bias and, and Satluj. India has in fact now trained, exploited, uh, dammed and D-A-M-M-E-D, dammed. And also, also generated a lot of power from those rivers, power, irrigation, drinking water, everything. Whereas India has a challenge with the three other rivers. Can you use the inclines? Can you use the sheer falls and gorges in the Himalayan region to generate power from them? Now, when you generate power, there is a little bit of storage, tiny bit, which may be temporary because you know your turbines have to keep running. The turbines can't always be, always be that look when water comes, my turbine will run. So a little bit of that happens, a little bit of interruption with water flow does happen. And that is what the Pakistanis are complaining about. So the current dispute is about a dam. It's a dam called Ratle Dam, R-A-T-L-E. It's an 850 megawatt dam. Ratle is on the river, Chenab River in Kishtwar district in on our side of Kashmir. So Kishtwar district, Chenab river, 850 megawatt dam. This dam itself has been delayed for a long time, which is, which is what always happens in our countries, particularly in the government system. But the fact is now in 2021, after long delays, Government of India made money available for this dam. Government of India, Government of Jammu and Kashmir, I don't think there is such a big distinction there because Government of Jammu and Kashmir earlier had allocated or allotted the construction of this dam to GVK, the infrastructure group. That group had trouble. There was, there was litigation, arbitration, etc. 
again the usual story in india so the project got delayed for a long time 2021 the government provided the first bits of money and construction has started and lo and behold the pakistanis have gone in complaint to the world bank not to the world bank indus waters commission now what do the pakistanis want and what is the issue right now india said all right if you have a problem then go to an, then call a neutral expert you call a neutral expert we'll go by what the neutral expert says we think we have a good point and there will not be a problem the pakistanis initially accepted a neutral expert they they also asked for a neutral expert but within months within months they said no 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 not a neutral expert we'd rather have a court of arbitration now under the indus valley treaty there are three remedies provided one the countries talk amongst themselves bilaterally bilaterally they 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 sort things out or they can have a neutral expert who can then give a verdict or a view and both countries and follow it like good children and and third you have a court of arbitration court of arbitration will have two members from india two from pakistan one chairman chairperson appointed by by the world bank etc etc that's a more complicated process that's more like a court process the problem there the trick in that process and that is what india does not want that a court of arbitration has the powers to injunct the party it has the power to injunct the party constructing a project so court of arbitration can say all right india you are making this project we are looking at your your view we are look we are looking at pakistan's argument also until we do that there is injunction there is a stay order on what's going on india does not want that pakistan obviously does want that that's why india said that look we will go with neutral expert we don't want a court of arbitration world bank fed up you know everybody gets fed up in india and pakistan fight because this fight these fights don't go anywhere so they got fed up and the world bank said look let us stop both processes so they stopped the coa process which pakistan had got started and also they stopped the expert neutral expert process which is what india would have settled both got stopped but once again both countries kept fighting 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 and as they kept fighting 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 at one point last year the world bank said all right let both processes go on simultaneously which means the neutral expert also mean also meets neutral expert was a man called michel lino and also a chairman was appointed and coa was to start functioning that is court of arbitration not committee of administrators as the supreme court appointed to run indian cricket no this is court of arbitration between india and pakistan india did not like the court of arbitration nor did india like the idea that the two processes were, hap were happening simultaneously so last week a meeting of the court of arbitration was held india did not attend it in fact india has not even nominated its two members for this court of arbitration so that is the reason how india has said look this 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 has gone on for too long right we don't intend to stop any of your water but you create trouble any time we try to produce a little power for, for essentially for the people of kashmir all our projects have got delayed like this all the projects in the past baglehar salal kishan ganga all the proje projects in the past have got delayed for ever and costs go up and people suffer and this is not right so maybe times have changed 
since 1960, since 19 September 1960 when this treaty was signed. So we need to renegotiate this treaty and also we need to amend this treaty to fit with the modern times and modern requirements. So what is it that India would want? There is a lot written on this. I will share with you a story by my former colleague Pranab Dhal Samanta in Economic Times which has the most clarity on this because he explains to us how, how essentially India needs amendments in Article 9 of the treaty. Article 9 of the treaty talks about how to, how to bring about resolution if there are differences of opinion. But there will always be differences of opinion. So India wants a hierarchy of these resolution mechanisms. So hierarchy means number one you try bilaterally. Some give and take. That doesn't work. Then you go to an expert. Even after that doesn't work, you go to a court of arbitration. This idea that one side wants court of arbitration, the other side wants an expert, right? And both processes go on simultaneously. That is not something that India wants. And that is the reason India has now upped the stakes on this and raised these demands. Now, I know that every time something happens between India and Pakistan, everybody starts saying, oh, India should abrogate the Indus Waters Treaty. Why are we letting all these waters go? So first of all, India has the fullest rights over the waters of the three rivers which belong to India. That is Satluj, Ravi and Bias. Now, alright, in the larger Punjab water system, this isn't that much water. This is about 17-18% of the total water available. So total water available to India is about 40 point something, say, say, say for simplicity's sake, 40 billion, 40 billion cubic meters. How much 40 billion cubic meters is? I don't know. You figure out, but I think it's enough to drown many, many cities, many, many great cities. So 40 billion cubic meters India gets. But how much does Pakistan get in this deal? Pakistan gets in, the, in this deal about a little over five times as much. So Pakistan gets 218 billion cubic meters. So they get a lot of water because those are waters of the Himalayan rivers that, that come out in Kashmir, one from Ladakh, one from Kashmir, one comes out from Himachal Pradesh, Chenab, but then goes into Kashmir and then goes into Pakistan. Those three rivers empty their water into Pakistan and into ultimately the Indus water system. In fact, even the eastern rivers from India ultimately go and empty their water in the Indus water system. And the Indus water system then empties out in Arabian Sea of Karachi and that's where in a place called Kori Creek, actually the Indus enters Indian territory again or, or I'd say Indian coast again and that's in Gujarat. So Gujarat Interestingly, because you know rivers, rivers are part of this great majesty of nature. Rivers don't, don't need visas, passports to travel from one country to the other, one geography to the other. Rivers make their own courses. So this Indus River in the end, although it does not enter any of the Indian plains, it just goes from Ladakh, parts of Kashmir, into Pakistan occupied Kashmir and then into Pakistan. But as it's meeting with the sea, it comes a little bit into Gujarat and that's also a place where India and Pakistan have a dispute. Again referring back to the Indus Waters Treaty because India believes that Pakistan is training the river or at least some channels of the Indus River in such a way that, that territories in the runoff catch on the Indian side get flooded and more salt water comes into those areas. And that is, that is what has happened as a result of Pakistan building something called left bank outfall drain. LBOD and India has been 
protesting about that. So this is a very complex treaty which has stood the test of time. Now the project that's under contention now, that's roughly 850 megawatts. It was announced in 2013 and you see now it's now 2023. So construction has only just started and roadblocks from Pakistan have come in. In between, many things happened. 2013, India started. Pakistan protested. 2015, a neutral expert was appointed. Pakistan agreed. In 2016, Pakistan withdrew from his, its acceptance of the neutral expert. They said, we don't like it. You don't build the dam. Uh, you, don't build, you don't build the project. Sometimes dam becomes misleading because these are, these are run-of-the-river projects. August 2016, Pakistan asked World Bank to appoint a court of arbitrators. October 4, 2016, India again said, we want neutral expert. That's, that's when I told you World Bank stopped the process. They said the two things can't happen simultaneously. And then last year, April 6 in 2022, they allowed both to happen simultaneously. That is the pain point with India now. Because what India does not want is that a lot of our money has already got caught in this. We have already invested money in this. Project is now in an advanced stage. Construction has started. We don't want another stay order that will keep the project pending for five years. So, again, even strategically, India's approach would be to continue constructing. So, you strengthen your case by changing the facts on the ground. That once once a dam is made, what do you do? We can, do, we can do some some dealings here and there, but the dam has got built. You can't come and dismantle the dam. And again, similarly for the Pakistani side, the concern is to not let India change the facts on the ground. So India has struggled all this while to build these, build these power generating dams. As I said earlier, India has no claims over this water. This water goes into Pakistan. So what is it that Pakistan is anxious about? So Pakistanis say, number one, that if you have the ab ability to either change the course of these rivers or train these rivers as it's called, although I think training a river would be an obscenity. To, to think of that will be an obscenity and, and an exercise in human hubris. But, but you can do funny things with the river. They say that look, once you have this ability, you can determine when to deny water to Pakistan or when to push too much water into Pakistan. So say in wartime, you can either starve us for water or you can flood us with water. Now, none of these reservoirs are so big, but insecurities continue because if the two countries have such a lot of distrust of each other, what will happen? A good example of how this works out is the Kishan Ganga Dam. Now, Kishan Ganga Dam is just a 330 megawatt dam. I say three just a 330 megawatt dam because Ratle is an 850 megawatt dam. Now, Kishan Ganga is a tributary of Jhelum River. It, it is located on the Indian side. When Kishan Ganga goes into Pakistan, it is called Neelam River, N-E-E-L-U-M. You see a lot of clashes take place between Indian and Pakistani troops uh, in Neelam Valley in the along the line of control. Now, Neelam Valley, Neelam River is where Pakistan wanted to build their own project. Let's say hydroelectric project. That was called NJP, Neelam Jhelum Project. So, where is the problem? India is building a project in Kishan Ganga, run off the river, India is not do, keeping any water. Then you have the Jail, Neelam River, which India has nothing to do with because the same river, Kishan Ganga, has gone into uh, Pakistani side or Pakistani control side. You call it Neelam River, you can do what you want with it. But their complaint is that you are diverting water at Kishan Ganga project. You are taking away water from Kishan Ganga project 
India says, look, I may take it away, but I'm giving it all back to you. So the net water that you're supposed to get is the same. The Pakistani complaint is, yes, you are giving it to me. I'm not saying you are keeping it, but you are diverting this water to another tributary of the Jhelum River, which also ultimately is coming into my territory, but it is not coming into the Neelam River. So the Neelam River, which is the Pakistani name for Kishan Ganga, that does not have as much water as I need for my project. So you are giving me the water, but you are giving me the water through another pipe or through another tributary. So these issues keep coming up and these are the technical issues involved in this. Now I know anytime a war-like situation takes place, anytime a terror attack takes place, there is a clamor, there is a clamor that Pakistanis banned, right? Pakistanis banned, let's stop giving them all water, let's abrogate the Indus Waters Treaty. Now these are sensitive things, we have to be careful about what we wish uh, should happen. Now you can, you can abrogate the Indus Waters Treaty. First of all, what do you do with the waters of the rivers in Kashmir? These are very powerful Himalayan rivers. Where will you divert this water, right? That kind of mess you cannot make with nature, that you can divert the course of these really powerful Himalayan rivers. Even if you were like that, right? Even if you thought like say, the Chinese communists, like Xi Jinping, and you thought you could do that, then the moment you do that, what is to stop the real Xi Jinping from doing it? So remember, the Brahmaputra, the system comes from China. Because in river water politics, there is always an upper riparian, a lower riparian, a lower riparian, a lower riparian. As I had explained to you, with Indus, the uppermost riparian, if I may use that expression, is China because it originates in Tibet. Then the next upper riparian is India. Then the next is Pakistan. And yet before it goes and meets the sea for its final entry into the sea, the river again touches India's lands. India becomes the lowest riparian or Gujarat in India becomes the lowest riparian in the Indus system. So if India can do this to Pakistan, China can do this to India because China is already building some dams on these rivers. See, Satluj rivers comes from China. Indus rivers comes in from China. You might say the Ganga, Bias, Ravi, no problem. But Satluj, Brahmaputra, Indus, the Chinese have a lot to play with. So these are rules of the game which everybody must follow. And if you don't follow, then you don't expect others to follow because there can sometimes be somebody more powerful than you. River water issues are very important. In fact, I was reading up on Egypt just last week because I was I was working on this Cut the Clutter episode on LCC and I figured that one of the biggest problems that Egypt has, CC's country has right now, is over the waters of the Nile River. And these are the projects that upper riparian countries, Sudan, Ethiopia, they are building on the Nile River and Egypt's existence also depends on the Nile, Nile River and that's a cause of great tension between those nations. So where these tensions are resolved, Indus Waters Treaty has served its purpose. We should see and understand the value of this and we should also understand how complex and how messy would it be if we thought of abrogating it. Now you would find also that Pulwama attack, Udi attack, some minister said, Nitin Gadkari once said he had water resources some others after that, 
that we will stop all waters for Pakistan, right, from our rivers. That immediately caused consternation in Pakistan. How can India do this? See, we always said that Indians are going to do this. Nobody had meant to stop any waters out of the rivers coming in from Kashmir, out of Pakistan's share. There is an issue with rivers that belong to us in India under Indus, Indus Waters Treaty. That is, once again, again to repeat, Satluj, Bias, Ravi. Now, India has mostly, mostly dammed those, those rivers and detains most of its water. So India's share, total share of the Indus Punjab water system is 41 billion cubic meters. India already collects or uses about 38 billion cubic meters. So you might say about 6-7% India is underutilizing. If you see other water that comes up say in a, in a mass during monsoon times etc. Then at this point India has about 9.3 billion cubic meters of water that India is not, not utilizing from these rivers. For that some projects are already underway to utilize this water also in India. And if India utilizes this water at home, there is nothing that Pakistan can complain about because these are India's waters. So I note that there are three, three projects that are on. I don't know at what pace they are moving. So one is the Shapur Kandi Dam on Ravi, not far from Pathan Court. Then there is a second Ravi Bias link. And third, there is Uj Dam in Jammu and Kashmir. Again, geography is so fascinating. Uj River emerges from Jammu and Kashmir. It emerges from Jammu and Kashmir, then it meanders, it goes into Pakistan and it comes back and then it joins the Ravi River. So while it originates in Jammu and Kashmir, it enters Pakistan, but because it meets the Ravi River, it's part of the Ravi system, only India has the rights over its water. Once again, if you see the map of India, map of Punjab, for example, you will see the, you will see the Ravi River and the Satluj River, large, large parts of it run along the border between India and Pakistan. In fact, in many places they make the border. So once again, once again, there is an issue there. The Indian side complains that the Pakistanis harvest or exploit a lot of the groundwater right next to this river stream, although the river stream belongs to India. So those tamashas go on. That's why I thought I will explain this to you in some detail that these rivers always existed. These rivers existed before the new lines on the map came into being in 1947, right? So both countries have had to learn to live with them. And rivers are rivers, they have their own might. They'll go a little bit this way and a little bit that way. And these will be ongoing issues that the two countries will need to deal with. And that's why a treaty always comes handy. And of course, any treaty, particularly a treaty which is more than six years old, can be amended, can be improved, in a matter in, in a manner that it suits one side or the other or ideally in a manner that suits the people of both sides.